Drinking night. With the movie problem. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Laura. And we just watched The Beguiled. The original one. Oh, I, did, I didn't know there was a remake. They, Sofia Coppola remade it. Oh, no kidding. Mm -hmm. we'll I recently that. learned that Sofia Coppola remade it and they won an Oscar for best adapted screenplay, but there wasn't actually a script. There wasn't a script? That's what I heard. That is that is something that I heard. Huh. But you also hear 10,000 things on the internet, so. Mm, funky. You know, they Google it if, if yeah, I should Yeah, I'll have to check that it. out. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess short plot summary since, I don't know, I hadn't even heard of this movie. So I figure anybody who does listen to this probably won't know as much as they might know about The Lost Boys. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So old Clint Eastwood film. Yeah. 1967, was it? Yep. He's a Union soldier who gets wounded, mm -hmm. found by a 12-year-old, um, and then taken to a girls' school. Where he and, seduces all of the girls. Well, he's playing this, like, cat and mouse game where he's behind enemy lines and the, the women have the power to turn him in. And in which case he would be taken to a jail run by the Confederacy and basically die of his injuries. And so he spends the first half of the movie kind of playing them off one another um, until there's an, this inciting incident where he chooses the 17-year-old over the 40-something headmistress and the 20-something main teacher at this girl's school. And he then gets knocked down the stairs by the 20-something lady breaks his leg, and it is strongly implied that the headmistress amputates his leg to save him, and there were air quotes around that, as, essentially as a punishment and or to kind of Stephen King misery him into keeping him there. Yeah, it was very misery. Yeah. There's a lot of misery in that, although I'm I, I'm assuming, one, this was based off of a novel as well, so this novel ah. must have created misery. Yeah. But yeah, it's also interesting that you pull that as the plot because it, you're describing the first 10 minutes and then the last half hour. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like you're skipping over like my favorite hour of the movie when he's playing off all the mm -hmm. girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we'll get into that. I think that's that's like a fine level of detail that that is is very much a highlight. But it, yeah, like, I guess I am kind of trying to to skip over it in the summary. But I think I think the detail of that is really going to be the meat of this podcast because it is the most fascinating part of this of, of this movie, I think. Oh, yeah. And if the summary is important, the last 10 minutes of this are that he gets really upset that his legs amputated. <laughs> Shockingly. He gets drunk. He goes berserk. He starts threatening everyone. And then he takes the 12 year old's turtle and slams it against the counter. Turtle dies. Headmistress gets him too drunk to function. Like, and he goes downstairs. Well, no, he threatens the headmistress to get access to the alcohol. Yeah, that's right. But, he goes and then he goes down. So, he but starts he, drinking even more. 20-year-old teacher goes to follow him because she's in love. That's the, That was the least believable part of this whole thing. Really? Like, on what grounds would she be in love with him? Well, she's known him for like, it feels like she's known him for like three days. Maybe it's longer in the book. Potentially. The part that, that I found, I think it must have been slightly longer because <laughs> I think it, the movie must have been going on for more than just 48 hours or so because he did recover from, from, from some serious wounds. severe burn wounds yeah. on his hand. Yeah. But that being said, the, the, this is a conversation for an a sec. Finishing up the summary, she's like, I love him. 
So then the headmistress is like, well, let's make, let's, okay, fine. Well, so let's then, murder him. That's what the headmistress decided. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so the. Let's make a dinner. He go, yeah. Say we're sorry. And 12 year old, go collect some mushrooms. You know which are the right mushrooms to pick, right? And the 12 year old's like, yes. I will do that. I will do that. So then they have dinner and they kill him. Well, they have dinner and they kill him. And, but the twist is that. They kill him just as he's deciding to leave. And so the question becomes, did the headmistress or I feel like the question that the film ends on is, did the headmistress kill him to for to protect the girls at this school or did the headmistress kill him for revenge and or because he knows about the affair that the headmistress had with her brother, which is another plot point that skipped over in the summary. Yeah, it's interesting in that there's a lot of there's a lot of moments where it's flashing back to the mm -hmm. headmistress sleeping with her brother. Mm -hmm. But it didn't really have anything to do with the plot of the movie itself, other than maybe this Union soldier kind of looks like her brother. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really have, I would say- I'm confused why that was such a significant point in the movie when it didn't really seem to tie back to the plot. Because there are several mm -hmm. moments where you thought it was like, it was gonna mean something where, for example, you pieces were unveiled where it was like, at first it's like, oh, she's sleeping with her brother. And then the second time around, you, you get some information around how um, the African-American woman mm -hmm had a lover and that the brother sold the brother sold him and then the last piece i believe was that the brother tried to rape the african-american woman yeah and there were flashbacks for that but that didn't really te te like that didn't really do anything to the main plot of the movie no i mean i think what it is to, to me where it connects the main plot of the movie is that question of why did martha tried why did martha kill him martha did, the main headdress mistress yeah. but i thought the 12 year old killed him no the well, martha told the 12 year old to collect poison mushrooms well the 12 year old told everyone to go no, the 12, the 12 year old's old enough for kisses she's basically an adult <laughs> Okay, okay. So for context. Yeah, that's some good. Yeah, well, why, why don't you provide some context on that one if you're going to lead with the 12 year old is old enough for kisses? So this movie opens up with uh, Clint Eastwood being discovered by this 12 year old out in the woods, and the Confederate soldiers are making the rounds. He pulls her into a little, you know, like Lord of the Rings style, you know, like grove. You know, when Mary and Pippin and Frodo and Sam are like underneath and the ring waist are after him. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's like, who's, who, what's going on? She's, you know, probably being a little too loud, but instead of just saying something normal, like, hey, 12 year old, you should shut up right now. He goes, how old are you? And she goes, 12. And he goes, mm, old enough for kisses. And then he starts making out with her as the Confederate soldiers pass. It is a very startling opener for the film. Yep. Yep. It is, it is. It's pretty amazing to see, like, I kind of want to watch this movie with someone who hasn't seen it. Just to, ex just it. to, just to experience, to, to know that is, to know that that's coming in the first five minutes of the movie. We and then, and then, out. and then see their reaction to that, where, because it, it's literally like, she pulls bloody Clint Eastwood out of a tree and then 
they stack like he staggers into an alcove like a little like like the hobbit thing that laura has described and the soldiers go riding by and they're doing their little like what's your name little girl oh i'm a- i'm ambeline but everyone calls me amy and he's like well my name's john Macbeth, whatever but people call me mcbee how old are you? Oh, I'm 12, going on 13. And then he just goes, old enough for kissing. And then he just leans in and lets her have one. And and like, like it's it comes absolutely out of, out of nowhere. And it's so weird because like before that, the credits are rolling over these photos of Civil War mm-hmm. soldiers that have that are just dead. They're mm-hmm. dead. The, it's mm-hmm. corpses. And so it opens up with Ambeline or whatever her name is, the 12 year old walking mm-hmm. through the woods with the same color treatment that the old these old photos have. Mm-hmm. So it's a very serious and an interesting way of opening up the movie. It's a very creative way of doing so. And then within three minutes, it's just like and she's 12, Clint. who wrote this (laughs) a novelist yeah but then like you know uh, it was interesting because i kept expecting there to be so yeah he seduces the 12 year old because the 12 year old well well he falls on that he make the 12 year old does fall in love with him as much as a 12 year old can yeah yeah he there is going back to the part you described this movie that you described as your favorite which i agree i think is definitely the most interesting part it's where he is behind enemy lines trapped in it we were laughing about it it's essentially the castle anthrax like there's you know meets misery yeah meets misery like he he's He's got a broken, he's all wounded and hobbling around on crutches. And these women could turn him in to the Confederate army at any moment. And the only way he can survive is basically trying to manipulate all of these different women. And so he's talking to the, he's talking to Hallie, the slave woman about how like we should be on the same side because I'm a union soldier. Um, And then like, you know, trying to mirror her language back to her when she talks about how men shouldn't men men shouldn't shave. God intended them to have whiskers. And there's there's a point where where he like echoes that in something that he says to uh, to Martha, like he's like a, trying to acknowledge or, or agree with Hallie. And there's you know, like so he's trying to get her on his side. He tries to get Martha on his side first by talking about all the farm work he could do and how he's just like this nice Quaker man of the land who's like didn't want to hurt anybody and just could be so useful to their farm. Also, I will totally make out with you, nice older lady, if that's a thing that you're lonely for and miss. You know, he's trying to seduce the 20 year old teacher. Um, he, he, he then is, he ends, he ends up in this love quadrangle with the 17 year old student who wants to hook up with him. The, 20 year old teacher who wants to hook up with him, but also wants to be married and a proper lady about it. I got her around 30 or so. Okay. And then, uh, and then like the 50, and then the 50 year old, the 50 year old headmistress. And he's like 40. Who's lonely. Who's lonely because her brother who she's banged before is gone. And it's all, and and her brother tried raping, probably did rape. Well, that, that I think is, yeah, or attempted to rape the slave, yeah, or attempted to rape Hallie, which it, that that's shown in a flashback. It's actually really interesting. I think one of the things that I took away once you get to the end of this film is this is a film where this isn't a film where you where you're where you're left asking who was the monster. But it is a film where I feel like by the end of it. Everyone except the like. Both the. The monsters are both the soldier and the headmistress. Both McBee 
and Marsha. And they're kind of in this power struggle of sorts. Yeah, it's interesting in that it's not exactly a fall from grace story because mm -hmm. by having the kind of rapey, definitely probably kind of rapey brother incest backstory, it's not like it was a fall from grace from for her. Mm -hmm. And every time scattered throughout those moments of him manipulating all the women, he would be saying one thing and they'd be flashing back to the, him doing something completely different yeah. in the flashback, which was extremely extraordinarily well done storytelling yeah, and hilarious yeah he'll like talk to him talk. but he was not a good person before no. this movie no he'll talk to he talks to martha about how he was a quaker and didn't even carry a gun and then they're showing these flashbacks of him shooting confederate soldiers yeah they talk about he's telling the headmistress about how good he is in the farm and how much respect he has for the land, the land. he's burning it and flashbacks. then they flashback he's just burning the film yeah well i mean i think that's why it's this interesting power play because at first he shows up and he's wounded and he's kind of manipulating to survive. And you know, these bits of backstory about Martha having this affair with her brother. And so there's this, you know, who's the bad guy in that situation? I mean, he's being manipulative and kissing all the ladies, but he's also, maybe he's not a bad guy. Maybe he's just doing it because he's like trying to play these women off each other to try and survive. Which I but, thought would have been a much more interesting take. Well, well, but then, then he actually turns and go, chooses to try and sleep with the 17 year old, which is a bad guy decision. And, and things kind of turn like is, you know, then he gets not, but then he gets his leg amputated and is completely helpless. So now he's the victim again. Yeah. But then he gets a hold of a gun and goes berserk, like holds Martha at gunpoint, says, this is how things are going to be around here now. I can be with any of these girls that I want to and you're going to get me alcohol. Yeah. Like kills the kills the turtle, tells every, you know, tells Martha that he knows about her affair with her brother. And then... At that point, Martha decides to try and kill him. And you get the sense, you, you, the vibe there at first is like, oh, she's trying to protect these girls. You know, yeah. again, who's the victim? Who's the oppressor? Who's the oppressed? Who's the dangerous person? But then the next morning, next night, when the plan to kill him is actually going through, all of a sudden he's turned over this new leaf and he's talking about how he's going to marry, uh, you know, he and, uh, and, and the Edwina. Edwina are talking just delightedly about how they're going to get married. They're going to leave in the morning. Nobody's going to be in danger. He's going to tell the Union soldiers not to mess with this place. They'll post a guard and protect it. And Edwina is the one that's vouching for, I'm going to make sure he does all this. It's and so it, interesting. You're taking that as like a new leaf and like an honest. I don't know. I, I, I don't. Because I, I didn't. I Shit, man. That was that was. Not something that I believed was genuine or sincere at all. Well, and, He's and, been lying and manipulating the entire time. But I think that's... And so I don't think that she looked at that and saw a new leaf. I think she just looked at a problem and was just like, I need to get rid of this problem. Well, by then, by, but by that point, the, the, the murder was already in motion. It doesn't right. matter what she thought. Right. Or, you know... Right. Like, well, yeah, where it's maybe if she he turned over a new leaf, she might have tried to she would have hesitated around something. Mm -hmm. But that's the but that which then again brings you to the question. Is she killing him in order to protect everyone or is she killing him because 
he knows about this affair with her brother. I think it has to be the latter. Otherwise, why do you have anything in that backstory at all? Why is, yeah. Why does the brother exist if not to give motivation for the final kill mm-hmm. or for her? Or at least uh, to or at least to muddy the waters as to her motivation for the final kill. Because I think I think this is one of those things where she has multiple motives swirling yeah. around. And to be fair, she probably doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. How, like, mm-hmm. is this a 50-50? Is this a 60-40? Is this a 90-10? Yeah. No. Maybe she's just a masochist, and that's just another... Like a sadist? A sadist, and that's just another... Yes, sadist, yes, sadist. And that's just another reason she wants to kill him. (laughs) So I think the most... I think the moment for me is when he decided to go after the 17-year-old, is when the movie got... I just... Just started jumping the shark, and I was still... There was, you know, there's still maybe about 40 minutes left. And so I was like, all right, let's see where this goes. But it was, it definitely went from being a fascinating movie of manipulation and subterfuge Mm -hmm. to, oh, well, so much for subtlety. Yeah, it is kind of like this all of a sudden he just turned he dumb. He just turns he so chose, dumb. He, he, yeah, he, he chose the stupidest possible outcome. Like we had that conversation a little bit during the film where, you know, he's he's in bed. At this point, he's been manip- like he's successfully gotten all three of these women. There's, you know, the 17 year old student and the 20 something teacher or the 30 something teacher and the 50 something school headmistress all of them want to knock boots with him he's maintaining this very delicate balance because while yeah. all of them want to sleep with them if any one of them is disappointed all she has to do is signal to the confederate army and he will be arrested so he's relying on playing all three of them off of each other and keeping all of them happy at once. It's this really weird, like my three wives yeah. <laughs> could all get me arrested. And, and, and it, or if you yeah. the 12 year old. Yeah. And then, uh, so Damn he, yeah, so he goes, he didn't write the movie. It wasn't his idea. So, so he goes to bed and, you know, Martha, the headmistress leaves his door unlocked and all three of those women are expecting him to come to their room and he goes up the stairs and he's looking at the, the two doors across the hall from each other that are headmistress on the right and teacher on the left. And the 17 year old comes down the stairs and kind of bats her eyelashes at him. And he he goes he goes up to the 17 year old's room, which is like right. the dumbest of the three. Like so he's, it, it, he, it is the dumbest of the three. But you did point out that the 17 year old is the one that was dumb enough to hang the cloth and call the Confederates over the first time. Yeah. So there is a logic behind, well, I have to make her happy because she's really crazy enough to get me caught. Mm. So there's at least enough logic there until like 10 minutes later, he just sort of like throws up his hands and he's like, I haven't been with a woman for months. I deserve to have the sex especially with the 17 year old. And that's the moment when the movie just went from like, this is fascinating to just like, Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. It just, it just, again, it just went from something that was really interesting and complex and dynamic with a lot of subtlety and a lot of depth to the characters to like, Oh no, I guess Clint Eastwood is not that interesting of a character. His motivations are just like, 
man, I think women are worth having the sex with. Which is boring. Mm-hmm. 